Welcome to the Morbid Forest. away from the trailhead or are you also out here collecting wood for your evening fire like myself ah <laughs> neither <laughs> a lost soul then for me <laughs> excuse me um well don't you worry ranger harper here to guide you back on your way well, why don't you help me finish gathering up some wood and we'll head back to my camp. Maybe make some marshmallows and I can tell you a little story about these woods. They can get rather dark and scary at night and you don't want to be caught out here by yourself. Mm-mm. Reminds me of a similar woods housing a small, lonely inn. I'll tell you all about it as we gather our wood. The name of those woods are Jehenna Fields. Thunder clapped outside of the train as the man entered the private car, slamming the door shut behind him. He stood in the entry for a moment, a malevolent metronome surveying the contents of the car. He wore a midnight black suit, tailored like an Italian glove, complete with a long overcoat, the tails dipping mischievously into the shadows behind him. A lion's grin split the man's face as he strode through the tiny space. The cabin was not empty. He removed his coat and folded his long frame into the booth across from the other occupant. The occupant gave no invitation. However, none was required. Bidding to find you here. The occupant, with a seraphic jaw and a glare tucked neatly between his brows, did not reply. They sat for a moment in electrified silence. Lonely countryside passed by unnoticed, 
Luscious green waves rose precariously to gaze inward at the two men. They regarded one another in a sparsely furnished space. Aside from the aged red booth and a minuscule window, nothing else occupied the room. No luggage dotted the gray dusted baskets, all of which did not bother either gentleman. The latter seeming happier than a clam whistling Dixie. Well, since the pleasantries have been so robust, shall we begin? I suppose I can, if you don't mind. Guests first and all. The rules are the same. The victor go the spoils. The other man nodded in response. The guest crossed his legs and steepled his fingers together, all playful pretenses slipping away between one sway of the train to the next. And they began. A man lumbers along the road, the last tresses of sunlight long since gone. The moon had made itself scarce this night, taking the stars along with it. Yet the man was determined, placing one haggard foot in front of the other in hopes of reaching his destination before the night's end. A rumble in the distance drew the man's coat closer to his chest. He would walk until his toes bled if he had to. Through rain or sleet, he would not abandon his mission regardless of hope, no longer living within his heart. At last, through the claws of the trees, a soft light pierced through the cloak of the night. Approaching, the man was able to faintly disconcern a shabby inn nestled solely among the trees. His aching feet pushed him faster still. The porch boards howled against the man's weight as he ascended, announcing his presence to the world. He flinched, but pushed the heavy wood door open Entering a dimly lit hallway, the single oil lamp and gnarled coat rack were the only decor greeting him as he moved leaded feet through the foyer. The foyer was much of the same. Stairs wound skyward, disappearing into hazy oil light. A large red stained rug lay before a large oak desk, sprouting ornate leaves and swirls. Brass keys hung neatly behind the desk, various room location marked above each one. A young woman stood behind the desk, her stubby nose buried within a book. The man approached, but she made no move to greet him or acknowledge him, the pages of her novel seemingly more interesting. He cleared his throat. (sighs) Seeking salvation, sir? Her abrupt acknowledgement brought him up short. Excuse me? Salvation. The woman paused, glancing up from her book to take in the man for the first time. She dipped her chin towards the direction he came. From the storm? Oh yes, of course. Any rooms available for the night? She stared at him for a moment, the man getting the impression she thought he was inept. She motioned flippantly towards the wall of keys as if to say, What do you think? With a sigh and a heavy thud of her book on top of the desk, she rose from her chair. She plucked the key under the number six plaque and told him it was the last door up the stairs and on the left side. Without another glance, she returned to her book, bidding him good night with a flick of her page. The room was furnished much as the same as the rest of the inn. An oil lamp sat on a small wooden nightstand, which matched a small wooden framed bed. The linens were a dirty shade of white in the oil light, and another Persian rug lay peeking under the foot of the bed. The man had little possessions, not one for means. 
The old bed creaked in protest as the man sat on its edge. From his pocket, he produced the only item he cared for, an ornate gold-plated pocket watch. Ha-ha! Our boy's a friend agreed! The guest proclamation stirred nothing from the occupant. The train beeped by, the chug, the chug, the chug, the chug, of the engine, the only clatter between them. Finally, in a matter-of-fact voice, the occupant spoke. Just because the man may covet an item, an item appearing of excess, does not necessarily make him a true man of greed. The item is clearly of sentiment. The guest replied with a foul grin. It split the seam across his striking features, hooking into the bones of his cheek. With a nod, they proceeded. The watch was the most extravagant article the man owned. Its smooth 14-carat exterior guarded all the man ever desired. Inside, pushed into the concave breast of the watch, lay a wrinkled sepia photograph of a blonde-haired woman and a sandy blonde-haired boy. The woman's holy eyes dotted both with sorrow and joy. The boy, all awkward limbs, was beginning to sprout the exact features of the man. They were his drive for this mission, no matter how ungodly it may be. He laid the watch gently on the bedside table, allowing it to guard him as he slept. The day was no different than the night. Darkness greeted the man, as a storm, having reached the inn through the night, raged on around them without pause. The man ventured from his room in search of food, being unable to stare at its four blank walls much longer. The young woman and her book were nowhere to be seen, but a quick inhale led the man through an archway he missed last night. While the room held more furniture than most of the inn, it was still minimal compared to most establishments. Five tables sat like dimples of a die in the central space of the room. More dark furniture, white linens and oil lamps decorated the three walls. There was one other door that led out of the small dining space, which the man assumed was the kitchen. He seated himself at the center table with his back to the kitchen and waited. Before long, the smell of cooked meats and bread filled the air. The man's stomach growled in response. As if answering his prayers, the young woman from the desk came barreling through the kitchen doorway. In the overcast light, the man could discern her features more clearly. Hazel eyes with full lips and breasts adorned alabaster skin. Her features were soft and quite striking. If it were not for the swoosh of her skirts, the man would have thought her a beautiful ghost. Wordlessly, she sat a heaping pile of food in front of the man and exited the room. Without hesitation, the man began shoveling hot stacks of food into his mouth. He ate until his stomach bloated past his belt line. If his mission was not a looming void in the back of his mind, he would have rung for a second helping of rich food, but he reminded himself that he must remain vigilant even in this quiet inn. He's a voracious pig, our sweet fellow. Our guest commented with glee, his long spindly limbs stretching nearly across to the occupant. With a happy chuckle, he retrieved a small tattered gold coin from his pocket. 
the coin tumbled carelessly between his knuckles, his earlier hooked smile back in place. You cannot deny his penchant for hearty consumption. <laughs> Would you not be an ardent fellow if you were left parched in the desert? The coin stopped within the guest's gnarled index and middle finger, wavering a moment before he answered. Yes, but our fellow is not parched, merely gorged, like a pig at the trough, eating every last piece of slop until the farmer has nothing else but his own hand to feed him. You can't deny his gluttonous aptitude, my friend. The occupant said nothing. Finally, with a sigh, he tilted his bronze head in silent agreement with his guest. Although his belly was full, the man managed to extract himself from his chair to wander the compact bottom floor of the inn. As he ventured into the only other room of the bottom floor, a basic sitting room greeted the man as he entered the archway. A large window gave way to muddy waving trees and an indignant sky. A small brick hearth with low burning embers lit and warmed the room. The only furniture present were two worn leather wing bat chairs set around a circle table with a tattered chessboard on top. Dust littered the ponds and rooks, leaving the man to suspect the inn girl did not properly care for her establishment, or she simply did not acquire many patrons. While the room was small and dusty, it carried an air of coziness to it. More importantly, it was a perfect place for him to sit and wait. He claimed the seat sporting the least amount of dust and began his vigil. The time wasted by. The only movement the man making to flip the lid of his pocket watch open and close. The tiny tick, tick of the clasp filling the small space. The action soothing his weathered soul. He did not grant himself the luxury of looking at the image of the gorgeous woman and young boy for they were a mere reminder of his burden, of his shame. Night fell upon the inn, yet you wouldn't have known as a storm barreled on outside. He was nearly ready to retire when he heard the entryway door of the inn boom open and slam shut. Heavy booted feet stomped and smeared unwanted wetness onto the face of the Persian hall rugs. The newcomer marched down the hall with purpose, and the man listened eagerly as words were exchanged between the new patron and the inn-woman. His palms moistened with sweat, as he realized this new guest was not retiring to his room after he most likely was weary from his travels, but headed straight for the sitting room. The guest that entered was not who the man was expecting. The newcomer was stout similar to the roundness of an unsuspecting Thanksgiving Day turkey. Beady, calculating eyes swept the room, finally landing on the man as though he was just then realizing the room was occupied. With a devilish grin, he crossed the room with quick, cutting strides. Would you mind if I joined you, my good fellow? Who am I to refuse company on this stormy night? The newcomer nodded, his smile deepening and seated himself across from the man. The chair creaked in protest as he seated himself. They sat in comfortable silence for a moment, the ambers crackling happily around them. So, my good man, what brings you to this dismal establishment? Business or pleasure? Business, sir. 
<laughs> There's no harm in timing some pleasure with your business now, is there? Right? <laughs> he laughed heartily at his own joke, his giant abdomen rippling with self-induced joy. The man did not reply. Do you play? The man gestured absently to the chessboard. I do, sir. Ah, oh, splendid. Then we shall play a gentleman's game. How do you figure chess is a gentleman's game? Chess, my boy, is a game which reveals the type of man you are. The man did not answer quickly. Purely rolled the thought over in his mind. Finally, he asked, Are not all games of man revealing in nature? <laughs> no, no, my dear boy, you see, chess requires a person to be cunning in their deception as they move about the board, attempting to best their opponent. Well, could you not say that about a game of cards? Cards? Cards are for cowboys and thieves. Chess is a nobleman's game. You must be willing to decipher every move your opponent makes. It is the most thrilling hunt. The closest a sedentary man can get to war because it allows you to see the true nature of a man through the game. The man stewed, taking in his opponent's words as he sat back in his groaning chair. A smug expression lined his opponent's lips. The man did not like this newcomer. With one more addled look, the man moved his first pawn across the aged board. The hour was late, yet the two men danced unperturbed around the stained checkered board. A near equal line of fallen stood haphazardly along each boundary of the game. Each man appeared uninterested in providing the catalyst for the final blow. The young innkeeper swept in, gliding through the room. Two partly filled glasses with amber glowing liquid palmed casually in her hands. But neither man took their eyes off the other. Handing the man his drink wordlessly, he turned to thank her, but came face to face with her ample breasts. Heat bloomed across the man's face, his eyes lingering on the tender flesh before hastily returning to his remaining pieces. His chessmate was not so shy. His narrow tongue dipped hungrily over his chapped lips, the game momentarily forgotten in his eyes. As she turned to take her leave, his hand struck out as fast as lightning above the trees, palming her spherical behind. In a blink, the maiden whirled, her hand as fast, an answering slap connecting across the opponent's face. You will refrain from touching me in that manner, sir. She eyed the opponent for a moment before swiftly exiting the room. The opponent's eyes darkened for a moment before meeting the man's gaze. Fiery young Megs, ain't she? I don't mind that kind of spirit when betting a woman. Wouldn't you agree? The man did not answer, his mind unwilling to partake in the bait. The guest, taking advantage of the man's distraction, took the man's rook with his queen. I believe there's check, my good man. Our man is quite the immoral one. Don't you agree, old friend? In what manner? He's a lustful, gluttonous pig. His nature is proving to be more and more so. His eyes may have looked upon such a fruitful bounty, but surely even you can see that there was no covetous gleam in his eyes. Oh, but didn't he? You saw it plain as I had. His cock was probably so hard, I'm surprised he didn't claim her across the board. 
The occupant sits silently, the thin line of his mouth deepening. The guest continued to snicker, his coin running from pinky to thumb and back again. No actions were truly taken, so how can you truly judge a man's intent? The question halts the coin's progression onto the guest's middle finger. The occupant continued on ahead of the coin. Can we fault the man for looking at something that he had no idea was present, his eyes averted, regardless of lingering a moment? Is that not an attempt to stifle any outlandish desires? That may be. However, we can't deny his wanton thoughts. Those are indeed the carriers of his true intentions. The two men stare at one another as the train continues to sway around them, the rolling green scenery holding its breath. Well, my dear friend, it seems we are in impasse, as we are unsure of our man's true intention. Fair point. I can agree to that. The coin again begins to move against the guest clawed fingers, the game not yet won. The game was a wash, the ice having long since watered down the liquor. The man sat nursing his clammy glass of whiskey as the last ambers in the hearth faded. His opponent long since retired, saying something to the effect of allowing the man to keep his dignity intact, had waddled away with a tune on his lips. But the man did not need to sulk. He needed time to gather himself, to prepare. The stairwell, once wide and dull, now narrow and menacing as the man ascended to his room. His footsteps echoed off the steps as he drudged up in the shadowy darkness, the sound drumming against his ears. Riding himself on the landing, he nearly fell back in shock at the sight that greeted him. Pudgy, grotesque fingers buried angrily into slices of alabaster heaven. The man was so taken aback, he couldn't move. No sound escaped his chapped lips. He merely watched in disgust horror as he saw his chestmate tear hungrily into the inmaiden's dress and hemline, her svelte body pressed helplessly against the wall, trapped by his prudent round frame. Do you see? Now do you see what is truly in our man's heart? <laughs> it's almost too easy. The guest smiles coyly. His coin flitted back and forth like a cat's tail between his dexterous fingers. The occupant displaying the same glare he has sported since the guest's arrival. Do we even need a witness anymore? I could play the gentleman and allow you to lick the salt from your wounds. The train's rattle was the only reply, a calm settling into the occupant's bones. Answer me, damn it! The occupant finally turned his face to his hellish friend, his tone flat. My good friend, a game such as this cannot be won part way through. It must be played to the finish. All rounds accounted for. The guest mules this over for a moment. Finally, he nods to the occupant. I mean, who am I to deny a losing man's last wishes? At first glance, it seemed as though the chess mate's advances were not unwanted. They were pressed tightly together as if lovers. The inn girl's frail hands knotted into the man's cotton shirt. The man's legs pressed harshly between her groin, pitting her in place. 
her face red like a cherry ready to burst. Then he saw the scene for the horror that it was. The chessmate, too greedy, advanced himself on the woman too small to fight back, but who still proved to be a challenge to him. The coward. The man crossed the room in two strides and heaved the chess player off the woman. Go. He did not wait to see if she obeyed his command. He no longer felt nervous or weak, only empowered. He could now do the task he came to this bleak inn for. His fist connected with client's skin, barely hesitating once he started, raining blow after blow after blow to the man's face. His round, rubic cheeks deflated, but the man never halted. Small, delicate hands banged furiously at the man's upper arms. Stop it! Stop it! He's dead! He's dead! He allowed the young woman to pull him, tumbling drunkenly into her lap on the floor. He could feel her labored breathing through his back as they stared for a moment at the dead man on the inn floor. She broke the silence first, pushing at his back with shaking hands. Get off me. Her voice was so soft, he thought he misheard her. She began shoving into his shoulder blades, ejecting him from her lap. He turned to look at her, perplexed. He just saved her life, her virtue. And now she sat parallel to him, a look of disgust smeared across her delicate features. You're a monster, she spat at him. Anger rolled off the man. Monster? I just saved you from the very beast you claim me to be. He may have been lower than swine. But you, you, sir, killed him without even a blink of an eye. You discharged him and saved me, and for that I am grateful. But did his error truly warrant death? No judge, no jury. (laughs) Sir, all men are sinners. Only a pious man asks for forgiveness. If she only knew, if she only knew he had no choice, if he wanted to save himself, his wife, and his young son, this task had to be done. Help me with the body? (laughs) I will do no such thing. I will direct you to where you can bury him, but I will not assist you any further. I suggest you find new lodging once the sun rises. She spun on her heels and proceeded to march down the hallway. He stared at her, completely taken aback. She turned at the top of the stairs, her eyes narrowing at him as she took him in for one last time. May God have mercy on your soul. The storm still raged, unforgiving, unwavering. Each inch the man dug within the dense soil only filled rapidly with rainwater to weigh down each shovel load. He found the spot the inn girl indicated to bury the man with ease. It was behind the inn, under a tall oak tree. He couldn't fathom the reason why the young innkeeper would want such a monster so close to her establishment, buried under such a beautiful tree. The pig didn't deserve it. He stood there in the pelting rain over the grave of a man that did not deserve one. He wanted to spit on the grave. For a moment he allowed himself to close his eyes and allow the rain to bathe him. 
Under the darkened sky, the droplets of blood from the man's hands went unnoticed, blending seamlessly into the fresh dirt. He almost felt anew, but his chest still felt tight, constricted with the weight of his actions. Eyes still closed, he fumbled for his pocket watch, hoping the image it held would still bring him solace. Her eyes, so sad, tightened his chest to the point he could barely breathe. Doubling over, gasping, the man clutched the image of his wife, her eyes boring into him, and he knew. He was a simple man of simple means, a straight-line man. Yet, he did this for her, because all of this was for her. The young innkeeper's words ringing in the back of his head. The man turned his face to the sky and pleaded. Please, Lord, forgive me for my sex. The guest burst from his seat, the shadows whirling around him on his side of the train. It was his choice. The occupant replied calmly. His nonchalant veneer remained fixed on his face. He rose slowly to meet his guest, a plume of white feathers scattering to the floor. Do not be a sore sport, old friend. Did you not say this is merely for fun? The occupant smiled for the first time since the guest's entrance, blinding his guest with his brilliance. <sighs> this is not over. Next year we'll see who'll be the victor. As long as there is a soul to take, a soul to burn, I'll be there to lay claim to it. His words tumbled from his split tongue, nearly garbled in his anger. The occupant's smile only grew brighter as the sun. His guests recoiled from it, a hand going to his friend's shoulder, but the other shrugged it off with a low growl. As long as there is free will, I will continue to have faith that man will choose the right path. The guest's returning smile snuffed all the light from the room as he replied, <laughs> And I'll be there when they don't. This has been a Morbid Forest production. On this week's episode, you've heard Gehenna Fields, written by Naomi Richards and narrated by Sean Moreau, Naomi Richards, and Matthew Trevino. And I just want to take a quick moment for Sean and I to really express our gratitude for our small fan base that we've got going on out there. Thank you guys so much for supporting us, especially in the show's heyday, with its ups and downs in production and more. We really appreciate you guys sticking with us and letting us bring you tales that will hopefully truly terrify you um, with words and not bad sound quality. <laughs> but seriously though, we're trying to up our game and truly bring you guys the best quality of stories and sound moving forward. So thanks for sticking with us and putting up with us. <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> and with that, We'll see you next week, travelers, on The Morbid Forest.